I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are once again to dive into a film, unpick it, share our thoughts and feelings with you, and let you know just what we thought about that film. And when we say we, of course, it's not just me here rambling, even though there will be some rambling from me today. I'm joined by my film friend, good man of the world, and someone who loves sitting in wanky coffee shops and looking out on the world while thinking about films it is Callum how are you doing today Callum I'm I'm feeling very under the weather <laughs> you've got an unbelievable uh voice for today's podcast and I feel like it's going to be uh, a lovely change of direction for everyone else's ears it's yeah it's um I've got a, a husk of an eye today um it's certainly uh it's certainly it's certainly a good voice for for radio isn't it I'm, I'm sorry to hear that um, the weather that you are under is there, but um, how, how have you been coping? Good, yeah, not bad. Um, been going to quite a few gigs, which has been nice. Um, yeah, but that's that. I've, I've been going to gigs a lot recently. That's been my thing, and I'm going to any stand any standout. I went to see a punk band um, called Spanish Love Songs last Saturday, Ooh. and they were really good. Yeah, yeah, they sound funky. Uh, they were, yeah, funky in the sense that their lyrics are quite cool, but not funky in a musical sense. Very sort of... Okay, that's good. It's good to make that distinction LA, early on. LA punk rock, skater punk, I suppose. Um, but I'm going to see, as I... I'm going to see uh, a band again this Friday and Saturday, actually. I'm going to see them twice. Um, the same band. Um, is, is that the men's singers? It is, yeah, it is the men's <laughs> It's come around. It has come, come around. It has come around, yeah. But apart from that, just um, just kind of hanging out, just chilling, really. Um, you know you know how it goes. It's January, isn't it? You know, It is January. It it's, is January. You know, try and keep a little level of sanity in January is always wise. Um, we mentioned last week about the Vaccine's new album, I've smashed through it since and think it is very, very good and vaccinesy. Have you had a listen? I haven't. No. Um I've been listening to I've been listening to the bands that I'm going to see in the next couple of weeks. Um I should have I know we agreed to listen to it, didn't we? <laughs> we did, but I know I Don't haven't. worry, we'll find our way in this pre review cultural meandering at some point. We're just now finding our feet in this uh, format point. But for anyone who's not listened, I think it feels like a classic big booming vaccines album with some huge lyrics on there and great ditties. So check that out. Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. It, it was a great accompany to um, me knocking up a bit of Tagnatelli last night. Nice. It filled filled the room as as most vaccine songs do. It had some ups and downs, but just that that wonderful voice punching through. Spot on. I mean, spot on. So get onto it. They're good at it. You know, they they know what they're doing. They've got a formula and it works. Um, yes. I mean, I'm I'm really into that new Green Day record at the moment. Yeah. Saviors. Um, yeah, I'm chipping away. I'm chipping away. I'm liking it. And as you say, it does feel like some classic Green Day in there. And it's hard to turn away a bit of classic Green Day. So thumbs up for that. Before we get into the overview, Callum, um, just because I wanted to share my experience, but I'm going to lead it with a question that then leads into me talking about myself. Mm. Where did you watch this film? I just went to see it at the Curzon in Bloomsbury. 
It was very nice. I'm working my way around the Curzons around London. Um, yeah. So I went to the Hoxton one the other week. You did? Um, yeah, you did. Went to the one in Soho. And then I went to the one in... Um, where else did I go? Hoxton, Soho, Bloomsbury. That's it, actually. I feel like I've What's been... What's been your favourite so been far? More of them, actually. I feel like I should have been to... Uh, yeah. I think that are three. Um, my favourite, they're all uniquely good in their own way. They've all got their pros. I quite like, you know what? I like the Bloomsbury one just because of the location of where it is in London. It, it, yeah, the know, name's delightful in of itself. Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember I went to see this movie that we were reviewing um, in the, on Saturday morning and coming out, it was a fresh day, you know, really bright, really fresh in around Russell Square around Bloom, the Bloomsbury area. Um, very nice. Very, it's very, it's quintessential London, isn't it? That area. It's very, it was very nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, since we're on that topic, Callum, I actually watched this one um, in a lovely little cinema in Munich. I could not resist the temptation nice. of being in a European city, knowing there was a film to go and watch ready for review and knowing also surrounded by a few uh, little independent cinemas, I thought this experience in itself is going to be one for me to look back on and think, yeah, that was the right thing to do. So I've got the name up here. I found this little cinema in Munich called Monopol Kino, 50-seater in there. You go in, it was just off a side street, little alley with the posters up, bobbed in, tight to get in there, lovely long bar, and then just a long kind of foyer area where everyone was mingling, having a few drinks. I think there were three or four screens. I was a bit disappointed because I saw the photo of the main screen and there was a bar within the actual screen on that one, but I didn't make it into that. But this was equally wonderful. Everyone there was the little beer, pretty much full, and just a great experience watching it in a different country. Before people ask, no, it, it was in English, just with German subtitles. I'm not that advanced on the German language, but it was a fun experience watching in a different country. Kind of seeing as well, like reactions to jokes and things like that. And then also um, people laughing at slightly different times when you could tell the people who were reading the subtitles against who were just like taking it in, in English because the people who were reading the subtitles would like react a split second before the actual line was delivered on screen. But yeah, I just loved it, and it felt it felt well me just strutting around on a Sunday with my German beer, sitting in an independent cinema. So that was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed that. So let, let's use that as a segue, Callum, into both. We've had very nice, uh, wonderful cinema experiences there, very arty. But what was the film that we both sat and watched in different European cities? And can you give us an overview, please? It will indeed. Um, it was called The Holdovers. It was uh, a new, the new Alexander Payne movie starring Paul Giamatti. Um, it was written by David uh, Hemmingson, um, but it's sort of like Alexander Payne production, I suppose. Um, it's set in the 1970s, and Paul Giamatti plays this sort of strict classics professor at this um, fancy boarding school in, I want to say, New England. Or like sort of you know Maine, Hampshire, New Hampshire type way basically, mm -hmm. um, and he's essentially forced to chaperone um, 
students who don't leave the campus for Christmas break for all sorts of reasons. Um, but there's a running joke that he's been chosen for it because he never leaves the campus himself. Um, and it transpires that he was a student there at the, at the, the college that he now teaches at, basically. At the high school, the boarding school that he teaches at. Um, and I was, as I was watching it, I was actually reflecting a lot. Um, I can't think of a film in the last 10 years that focuses on male relationships in a positive way. Um, and as I was watching it, I was thinking, you know what? This film feels, even though it's set in the 70s, it feels quite fresh in lots of ways. Um, and, you know, it's about a relationship between, a, you know, a collection of students, really, but it's really a relationship between Paul Giamatti and um, one of his students, basically, um, who apparently actually went there. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that actually. Um, but the the main character, um, it actually went to the school um, itself. It's based on a, a true true story, basically. Wow. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was quite a cool element to it, um, really. Um, it was called Dominic Sessa. Um, it, was, it, was his, it was his film debut, basically. Um, anyway, it's about the relationship between Dominic Sessa's character and, and uh, Paul Giamatti's character and how initially you think they don't have that much in common, but actually he be, ends up becoming a father figure for uh, him because uh, his father is going through a mental health crisis, basically mental health trauma. And it's about relationships. It's about um, finding, again, I'm going to quote a Rush song, which I have done before in the past. <laughs> but there is a line in Entre Nous where it goes, the spaces in between leave you and I to grow. Um, yeah, indeed. And I think, <laughs> yeah, slap of the bass and all that. Um <laughs> To quote, I love you, man. But it is that. It's about exploring the spaces in between a relationship and seeing how those spaces allow you to grow as people. Um, I think the script is really witty. I think it's really um, intelligently done and intelligently written. It has comments on masculinity in there, but it also has comments on race as well um, with the, uh, the catering manager, who is also... Um, uh, one of her favorite films, one of her early films as well. Um, like her son has died in, Viet in, in Vietnam and it's a comment on war, it's a comment on race as well, there's a comment on masculinity and friendship and family. And it's a really lovely little snapshot of sort of early 70s America and early 70s concepts of um, uh, what is a relationship basically. Um, I thought it was really cool. That's 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 the general overview. Thank you right. once again, as always, Callum. Wow, yeah, the holdovers. So, uh, picking back off my reaction when I was there in the Munich cinema, against just tucked in against the wall, couldn't get out from my side. I felt contained in my little cinematic cocoon, sipping my German beer. What a wonderful setting it was. And you know what? Really enjoyed the film. And the word that stuck in my mind afterwards was pure it felt really pure in that there was nothing too excessively complex about it 
But there's an idea that we often discuss on this podcast, Callum, and it's the idea of the coming-of-age film isn't just a teenage genre of coming-of-age. Coming-of-age means a lot of things, but it's essentially somebody getting to grips with their identity through a series of events or interactions. And I think this film, we can bundle into coming-of-age. Yes, absolutely, you've got teenagers there, and especially... The lead character who is uh, absolutely having the main experience within it. But the teacher comes of age. He absolutely comes of age in that he finds his identity. It ha- goes through an introspective um, few weeks where he learns stuff about himself because he is forced to interact with different people on an informal level that he's not used to. He is forced to then go back and check his views on the world and what life means to him and his view on the school, but also wider society. And then by the end of it, he has a full completion of that and he gets to grips with his identity and goes out on the new passage of life feeling fulfilled and reinvigorated of the experience he's had. And on top of that, the fact that it is at the core based on the interactions by of three individuals essentially um the catering manager the student and the teacher and how they experience christmas together and how they interact and i love again we've mentioned this before how it plays the christmas period in the melancholic way it often is so and the fact that it's been released after Christmas, I love as well. Like, I think there's just so much thought been put into this film without over uh, making it over complex because I, I always feel a bit bad when we say this. Of Christmas can be quite a melancholic time. And it's not to put a downer on it at all, but there definitely is um, a lot of self-reflection and um, there's lost interaction and looking at yourself and others over Christmas. And I think that's a beautiful thing, but it's also a scary thing as well. And the fact that this was then released in January after the kind of the lights and excitement and falseness in many ways of Christmas had gone in real life and you get to watch the rawness of this film play out I think that was wonderful and I do think it was really pure I don't think it relied on any gimmicks really from the trailer I thought this sounds like a a pleasant story and it sounds like a relatively good concept for a film but I couldn't really grasp why it was going to be enjoyable or why it was going to be beautiful it just it could have easily, that concept for a film, been like a kid's film of like, oh, staying over and the teacher like that, what they're going to get up to. But it was so beautiful on so many levels because of just those interactions. And I think the pureness came through. Yes, it was quite simple and restricted in what it did, but I think it manages to explore um, a bit of society, a bit of class. It looks at the 70s and that era and then give punches through to the modern Wonderful how it was shot in that style where it felt like a 70s film but then brings modern themes into it. Yeah, very good, very good, pure. What about you, Callum? What were your first feelings? I really enjoyed it. Um, It's a great movie to watch on a Saturday morning when you're feeling a little bit delicate. Um, Mm. In in every way, Marcus, in every way, in mind, body, and spirit. Yeah, um, (laughs) you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have a a horrible cold when I was... uh, I was uh, I went to see this though, so that that, so that was a, a, a nice sort of uh, thing not to have, I suppose. Um, 
but no, I thought it was a, let me think for a second. Like I said earlier about how I can't really think of a film in the last 10 years that addresses relationships, like male relationships in this particular way. Um, and I think it was quite refreshing in that respect um, because the whole thing that drives the film is a son wanting to have a connection with his father that he knows he'll never have a connection with anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, his father, he, he talks repeatedly about how his father had him reading all sorts of, you know, books as a kid and, you know, instilled this love of learning in him and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, Paul Giamatti, his classics professor, um, ends up be basically becoming his father figure. He sees him somewhere. Yeah. I mean, they don't like each other at first, but then they eventually, you know, come of age in and of themselves. They learn to grow in the spaces that they seem that seem to separate them initially. Um, I think it's a really nice... I, I, mean, I think it could have made a little bit more of that... Um, the, the, the race element, I think. I really... I really enjoyed the, the the bits that it did meditate on that, um, mm -hmm. and the comment that's made about how, you know, that child will will go to will go to Vietnam because he's the implication is because he's because he's an African American, whereas the rich kid who, you know, drops out won't because he's rich and white. So that's the implication yeah. basically, and I thought it was a really nice, subtle way of um you know explaining quite a complex political um point there because and i, I know i just said it i wish it had made more of it uh, but actually on reflection I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back on what i just said actually okay okay uh, I, I think it on reflection now that i've actually explained it um no actually i think it does it does it well it may it makes a complex political point accessible i think um and there's really tender moments in it. That's another thing I noticed about the film, actually. It's very tender um, in the way that it deals with um, relationships. Um, and it's very solemn and very reflective at the same time. And I've been feeling all of those things of late. So it was just quite a nice, uh, a nice film to watch of the times, I think. Um, so, yeah. I mean, my, my, my favourite scene saying all of that, you know, conceptualizing, you know, race, relationships, trauma, and finding oneself. My favorite scene is when he goes into the the gym and breaks his arm. <laughs> and then he's in the back of the he's in the back of the car yeah, with, a, yeah, with, a, yeah, with, a, yeah. with a crooked wrist. That is absolutely hilarious. Um so What's the line he says to him and he's like, don't cross this. Like this is your This is your Rubicon. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's again hilarious because he's obviously his classic professor sees across the Rubicon. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then of course he gives he has a box of meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he, he just gives to everyone. But the thing is as well, that's another thing the reason why it's recorded me is because my brother is reading that at the moment. Um, uh -huh. And I did classics at college. So, so got to get that there in. You there. Go. Gotta Drop get that, that in. in. Um, but I know I've, I've never read it. Um, and it, and I don't feel as though I think I'd find it funnier if I had, but I found it funny enough to re uh, um, respect the reference um, to Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Um, but that, I think that's 
that's I think the power of the film is that it takes very traumatic um, concepts and relationships, and then it just cuts through it with those really um, it's a sort of meditative moments of humor. Like it's yeah. it, it's very it's sparingly sprinkled, as it were. Mm-hmm. Those points of humor and the, and the 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 subtlety in the script. It's it's very good. And there's something to be said about that. We were discussing this about one life of the the light touch to filmmaking, the minimum minimalist film, is that I get so much more out of a film that is done with a softer touch because it allows more room in between what the filmmakers say and what you're thinking for things to play out and you to ponder that rather it being shoved in your face or excessively done there's something very nice about that minimalist approach yes sometimes it then leaves you a bit frustrated that not enough has been given to you to actually watch and keep you um gripped and connected to the film but I think in this circumstance, there's there's plenty there, and I think it's done very nicely. I just want to go back to what you were saying there about how it explores race. It only really touches upon it, but um, how you concluded there that it does do it in quite a, um, a a nice way to kind of slide it into the conversation. And I think I do agree with you, uh, your final conclusion there, that it is it's sparingly done, but I think it brings the power because the film ultimately... Like I said, it's coming of age to an extent, but it's about family. What does family mean? Yes, we have a very specific view of the term and practically what family is, like who you are related to. And obviously we can go into actually like a more... um, political value of what a family is but if it is the definition of family someone is related to you but what is family in the sense of um the meaning of the word where you get something out of what do you get from family you get love kinship affection closeness all those elements and this film explores that because it's three individuals who all have different reasons not to have a traditional connection to family over the christmas period but yet we find them giving each other something that they value emotionally and getting a lot from it throughout the film. And the fact that that is then layered on top of this setting at a boarding school where the kids are sent home to their families and go off to all these uh, expensive like holiday resorts, it's alluded to, but then some of them are left there as the holdovers for like these daft throwaway reasons that sound ridiculous of why they can't go back to the families. It really then drills into the meaning of not what family means to you, but what does family mean beyond the actual practical element of a family? Because I think that as soon as we say family, you start thinking about, okay, yeah, actual siblings and things like that. And then the next layer you go, oh, someone can become part of your family without that. What I think it's really getting at is taking all those traditional actual views of what family means aside, taking the word of family and thinking family means connection and finding something deeper within other people that means something to you. And these uh, these individuals are grown up exist in a world where family means um, something more literal but they find something deeper and I think that is where it's going and then the race element I think just thrown onto that shows how powerful it is because the race element in traditional family setup causes this ridiculousness and the Vietnam element that they touch upon but then set within a level playing field where they're all just connecting it's like okay 
there's some, some there's some power there. Yeah, I mean, on that as well. I mean, I I read that it's been compared to Frank Capra's "It's a Wonderful Life." Mm. Um, oh, I mean, you know, as soon you know, as you bring that in, then I'm you know, there. You know, troubled past, family. I mean, of course, in in in, in "It's a Wonderful Life," um, you know, there's the, there's the there's the conflict in the Bedford Falls as to who is the who's the family. It's like yeah, you know, oh, you know, bedrock, all that sort of vibe. Um, you know, is it Potter or is it is it the the, the insurance company? You know, so the the, the idea of family is extends beyond the biological. Um, I mean, I think the thing that hits me about it is that like it's so immediate, but it's all in what it's trying to achieve. But it's also subtle in how it does it and how it blends these ideas together. I think. Um, there's a sort of an immediate subtlety, as it were, um, and what I mean by that is it, it's 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 the tone of the film, and it it's reflective. It's and the soundtrack as well. The soundtrack's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, really. The soundtrack's um, great. I don't know who the music was, but my head went Neil Young. Was that any of the songs? Uh, maybe. I recognised It you. sounded like Jake Bug at first. I was like, I don't think this is Jake Bug, but it sounds like the music Jake Bug's inspired by. I reckon Youssef is what is one of the, the artists. I recognise... I need to know this. I, I recognise that because I uh, I have one of the, the tunes on my, on my Spotify folk and acoustic section. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just get that in there as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right there. It was, it was a wonderful score. I think I might even just have a little play through that because that was uh, lovely. We've got Cat Stevens on there. That yeah, classic. seems to fit into that area. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's just take this back onto um, other of the, the big themes of this film because I think society and class is obviously you can't yeah. steer away from that. But I think, I mean, it's obvious, like, there's an obvious exploration of just showing this setting and the um, the slight ridiculousness you see of the family separated from it and, and stuff like that. But what I think it drills into more is that, yes, yeah, Sony films explore that and some go more into that than others. But this is like the individual pursuit of life and where do people find meaning? yes in the family sense with each other, but then your place in the world because it firstly shows the kids and the families who have a very structured and what looks out like a mapped out life of of wealth and then the universities they go to and, and things like that. And that's obviously like a, a clear and obvious path on it. But then we see the individuals and, and the holdovers can be a kind of like another word for the misfits or the outcasts really in this film. It's people who are like sat outside of that society. But I think what's quite fascinating how they dive into with Paul Giamatti's character of his history, mm. his life, what's led him to that. And he's long as this, this show clinged onto this structure and culture of the school as his own identity because he felt he needed that. And when we find out that he got um, done over when he was at university and accused of cheating and it was flipped on him, even though it was the other guy he was cheating and he got pressured out and he felt lost and his own insecurities and you see that he's got a um, 
uh, a wonky eye and then he's got other health issues and things like that which kind of are played upon to show that he feels a bit separate from society but I think the point there is that he has felt so he had to cling on to an institution or an identity formed for him for him to feel fulfilled as an individual and it's only when he connects with others who see through that institution our way of life that he starts to feel a bit more complete as a person and realizes what it is that fulfills him and maybe he has been penned in by his own frustrations and 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 lack of ability to break out from that and at the end when he gets sacked from the school when he goes off on his little adventure you don't feel sad for him you feel happy and liberated and actually it's it's the boy you feel a little more sad for even though he's been saved so to speak he's got to go and grind through this lifestyle he's not yet been society can't allow him to liberate himself yet whereas the teacher can and i that's what touched me most in this yes the family element it was beautiful to see those connections happening i think it was very moving and touching but this individual element of taking yourself out of what the world can offer you but how do you find your own satisfaction and self-completion outside of maybe a linear path of the world and i feel that's something that speaks to so many people but maybe only a, a few people can really have the opportunity to realize that or explore it and that i found that touching and something that we've probably individually discussed with each other a lot and it's such a raw element of life it's what gives you meaning and how do you explore that but in a modern setting i thought that was powerful and the way that it played that was brilliant and i thought that was one of the of the two big themes and explorations of the film i think um yeah i think you're right and the thing that struck me i was just thinking about it then actually the cinematography i was reading um i recently bought robert frank's the americans photography anthology and i was looking at it the other day and Alexander Payne might as well have just taken his, the cinematography from that film straight out of that photographic book from the 50s. <laughs> okay, um, okay. And there's a certain, there's, there's like an American, almost kind of like an American pastoral to it. And what I mean by that is um, the idea of an American dream or like the dream of an idea that's quite nebulous. Um, you know, working hard, having lots of money, having a perfect family you know, that is destabilized in this film. Um, and the reason why I bring it up is because that final scene, uh, when, you know, the sort of the sedan, the, the, the Cadillac or the, the, the sort of the family sedan or whatever is driving off into, on a, on a, high, on a high road into a, a nondescript distance future or whatever, you don't know where it's going. You don't know where he's going to go. Um, and it's deliberately left open. And I think there's a certain sense of romanticism to it, an American romanticism in particular. Um, yes. It also made me want to drink, you know, half, you know, a bottle of whiskey and then spit it out and then drive off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it made me really want a Miller beer as well with a burger. That bar looked like just a classic American bar. Yeah, it's it, like, yes, yeah. brilliant. It made me want to drink, drink a bourbon and then just spit it out and then go to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, let's get this wrapped up. I think we've really cleared through some good stuff there. I'll start us off in a saying, like I said, 
I think this film was really pure and it, and it touched me. I felt the emotional connection, but I really enjoyed watching how the characters develop and what they got out of each other. And also the visual element of it. I think it was a good, yes, novel element of shooting in the 70s style, but it works. It really works. It did punch through to the, the modern day, but also it was very enjoyable to be in that world that they created. I mean, yes, it was minimalist in what it did, and I think that was very good. But also, at the same time, it wasn't excessively groundbreaking. I just think it was a really well-done, touching film that I felt gave me the feels and questions afterwards to think about and explore. But I did also very much enjoy experiencing it. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I think it was a very good film and um, a top watch. Callum, what about you? Um, I mean, I can't fault it, really. Um I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'd give it ten just on the premise that I couldn't see anything else that could be added or taken away. You know, you know, it, is it the best film I've ever seen in my life? No. Did it make me feel something? Yes. You know, did it make me think about the world? Yes. Did it make me, you know, want to be a classics teacher rather than a history teacher? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but you have to read Marcus Aurelius is, first. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's 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 the uh, that's the, the sort of the criteria, isn't it? But no, I thought it was a really carefully crafted, reflective, meditative um, film about relationships. And like I said, I think it was quite refreshing to see um, sort of f- familial dynamics played out by men. I thought that was quite cool. Um, mm-hmm. like it was just yeah the way I've been feeling of late it's been very nice to see that I think so yeah that's an American pastoral the spaces in between leave us you leave room for you and I to grow there we go Ten out of wonderful 10. wonderful thank you very much Callum and another fantastic review thoroughly enjoyed the film but also of course always enjoy having a chat to you about it Callum those big film releases keep coming out as thick and fast it's not stopping us from getting to the cinema we keep getting there been blooming loving going to the cinema so much in January you know we're going to keep that momentum going into February because it looks like there's also a lot of great ones coming out and of course if there's big films we will be there with big reviews big thoughts and opinions but we'd love to hear from you as well get us on Instagram at the Glass A Film Club and also if you want to leave a little review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we wouldn't stop you from doing that. So please feel free from doing so. But that was that. Thank you for listening. There's plenty more episodes in the back catalogue to check out, so dive on those. But until next time, that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. We'll see you all later.